Well, uh, welcome and indeed a happy new year from us, um, from another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss popular and interesting travel industry posts, which appeared mostly on LinkedIn uh, during the last week or so. Before we continue, just a bit of housekeeping. We do record the session, so we make this available as a podcast afterwards, which you can find at businesstravel360.com, and we'll tell you more about that towards the end of the session. We do welcome uh, audience participation, and it's fantastic to see some new and equally fantastic to see familiar faces in the audience. So thank you for joining us and giving us your time. So with all of that out of the way, my name is Rian. I'm one of your hosts today. I'm the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and control of their businesses, as well as achieve scalable growth through the effective use of their data. And hello, everybody. Uh, I am Anne, and Happy New Year, everybody. Um, I work as an independent consultant in the travel industry, and I'm represented by the brands uh, Leapshift and Exportech. Well, it's great to be back. And uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ash, and I am the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel all in under 15 minutes. You can access it at businesstravel360.com. Additionally, I'm the vice president of sales at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. <laughs> that was a mistake. I'm so sorry, Ash, but maybe that's a hint of what's coming, right, later on the show. You're teasing me. This, You're teasing yeah, I'm, me. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing <laughs> you. Sorry. We'll have to do some editing there when we get this out of the podcast. For those new to us, um, thank you very much again for joining us. The format of this discussion is we talk about a post that I do on a Friday. A post on LinkedIn stood out for me that related to the travel industry. But my first post was actually about China reopening its uh, borders uh, for travel and dropping their strict COVID policies. And there's been a few reactions to that. Um, mostly some countries are now reinforcing a vaccination certificate of sorts or some sort of recent COVID test that you need to show when you travel from uh, China. But on the more positive side of things, of course, many airlines have started to start uh, flying there again. And relating to that, there was a post by Khan Kaimok from Turkish where he posted about some of the Chinese carriers now getting back into action and most of their fleet being reactivated. Um, I actually saw a post about United Airlines also starting to fly back there. Positive news. Um, I've been reading, I'm sure both of you, Anne and Ash, have been reading similar stories about Chinese travelers, you know, buying travel like it's going out of fashion and getting back on planes or getting their families back into the countries. So uh, fairly good news all around. Uh, right, Anne? Absolutely. It is fantastic news. But also some of the confusion has started. I just saw, what was it, yesterday that Thailand said that they were enforcing <clears throat> that you have to show proof of vaccination before entering Thailand. And I heard today that they withdrawn that requirement. So here we go again, kind of with all the confusion. But of course, great news. And it's going to be um, very interesting times with, with China bouncing back. Any thoughts from you on this, Ash? Simply for me, just like Anne said, it's almost like we are, we're going back in time again to two years ago, and we're going to repeat all the things that we saw happen last year and the year before in the industry. And of course, many of those things will lead to confusion and lead to issues and new problems. So we'll all have to be patient and adjust to it as we go along. Yeah, absolutely. Just a quick shout out there to regulars who's here almost every time or hits. Thank you very much for joining us. And Stefan, thank you for your continued support as well. Um, moving on, there was a story about rate gain and then buying, and I don't know how you pronounce this, if it's Adara or Adara, but I mentioned it's Adara, for an absolute steal, uh, as Rafit uh, from Skiff explained. 
that's a good deal is the way he explained it. I don't know whether, Anne, you've got any more insight into that or wanted to add anything to that. Definitely a good deal. Um, Very, very good deal for them. And uh, I think it's the right move, a right gain. It's been an area that's been kind of very neglected, kind of benchmark uh, data and supply of various. I mean, data is probably going to be the most important element of them all in, in 2023. So very strategic move. Yeah, you and I exchanged a few messages about this and you explained, you know, a few other things to me as well. Mm. But yeah, that's a that's a fascinating space to be in. Yeah, everything lies in the mm. data as, as I should know. I'd like to add to that, you know, I mean the the, the revenue management space um, in general has been very for lack of a better word, but very traditional in the past. It's always been about historical data, really, to make predictions. But it's just so much more today. You you need that behavior data. You need massive inputs of data. You need far more, you know, that we, well, we've got an expert on this in the audience, Stefan Thiel, who, is, who knows far more than, than I do. But the landscape is changing and revenue management is moving into becoming a more as a pricing system, uh, a sort of real-time pricing system. It's very interesting, all of it. The other thing about this also is that, you know, I think that companies, like you said, Anne, right, really need to get into predictive analysis. And one of the things that is happening in the industry is that the idea of cooking visitors and cooking people that come to your website is going to slowly change and evolve. Uh, one of the things that's happening with Google, for example, is that they're trying to eliminate the idea of the cooking of a browser. If you don't have a traveler profile and somebody comes to your website and they're anonymous because they haven't logged in, then how do you know who this person is and how are you going to get better at that? I think that there's going to be a lot of effort this year focused on how to enhance an online experience in the travel industry. And I think that companies like Great Gain and others might be able to achieve a lot of amazing results uh, because of that. And, you know, I work in this space and it is still shocking to me how the lack of collaboration between the various parties um, don't see that opportunity for collaborative data sharing and making it better for all involved to be better with predictive, you know, behavior. That's why you saw one of my wishlist items for 2023 is that we in the travel industry should fear collaboration less because there is a bit of a, a fear around that, I find. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's just a ton of things to still realize within the data that we have within the industry. Yeah, most of the industry today is very reactive, right? And mm -hmm. then you mentioned as well, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's all about past trips you took, surveys. I mean, surveys, really? We're still doing surveys? <laughs> um, I get so many emails and surveys, but tell me about a hotel that has a great deal that I went to before, and now you're talking about a totally different conversation. So I don't yeah. think that those things have ever been uh, done well, and I think that business travel is a very repetitive nature, right? People tend to go to the same places. They tend to behave exactly the same way. So it's not that difficult to do that. And hopefully we'll see change. My next post was just from Max uh, Starkov. He published a list of his predictions for uh, 2023 as they relate specifically to the hospitality industry. Nothing major surprising in his list there. I do like what he said about, he says there's this belief that people really demand human-provided services. He thinks it's greatly exaggerated. There could be more automation, self-servicing, self-service checking, that sort of stuff that could happen. Ash, did you read that list at all? Do you have any comments on it? I think we're done with self-service. I think we've been serving ourselves for way too long now. Now I want service. 
I think we're going to have to flip the script here and start demanding a little bit more. Hey, you know, take care of me, know what I want, you know, let me have a great experience while I'm at your hotel property. And the way to do that, Rian, is through robotics. I think robotics is going to be the key in the hotel industry. There are a lot of things in the hotel industry that happen that are repetitive, and you don't need people to conduct repetitive behavior. I've seen robots cruising around hotels and delivering room service. You know, they're fully automated. And so, you know, things like that, I want to see the hotel industry embrace robotics completely because I think people are going to really enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, you say you want the service, but it doesn't have to be by human. I don't need human service. Give me robotic service. It's more reliable. <laughs> and how do you feel about opening the, the, the door for room service and there is a robot, not not some guy that you, you know, that could have brought the food you and have a bit of a chat with or just have a bit of interaction with, right? It's just a robot. Well, what's saying that I can't have some interaction? But actually, I, I embrace that as well. I, I, I would really like to see that. And I would like to see, you know, drone delivery. And I would like to. But of course, you know, automation. Wouldn't we like to see more automation? I didn't post it on LinkedIn, but I had a, a funny experience uh, myself recently. I, I got a notification from uh, one of my airlines in Scandinavia suggesting that they had some offers for me. And I opened, I opened the app and it suggests that my departing airport is Newark in the US. <laughs> and, and you sort of go... Well, guys, you've got my address, you know where I live, and, and you've got my car details, and you can obviously see, hopefully, well, obviously you can't. So, but they, they so knew you were at that barbecue with, uh, with Asha. And so just yes, they exactly. <laughs> That's called subliminal marketing. <laughs> it's yes. like, come to Newark, come to Newark. <laughs> <laughs> the next post was about um, something that does relate to one of my predictions for the year, and you'll make that connection when I actually get to that point. But the story was just about the fact that the municipality of Dubai has dropped the 30% fee that they levy on top of alcoholic beverages for at least a year, mostly in a bid to attract visitors you know, out of the other regions that are obviously quite focused now on increasing their tourism. So um, it'd be a bit cheaper now to have a drink in Dubai, at least for the next year. I am always fascinated by the Dubai guys that they can just do a action like that quickly and have it implemented overnight and it's done. There's no real red tape or delay there. They make a decision and it's done. It's quite obvious to see what they're doing here. Absolutely. And of course, I'm all for it because, you know, I love my glass of wine. So <laughs> that makes me very happy. It's a very smart move. I mean, Dubai's attracted a whole new group of travelers. Yeah, I'll be there myself uh, next month. Ash, did you find having a drink in Dubai expensive? I'd never been to Dubai. <laughs> really? Wow. I know. Imagine really? that, right? But I sure as heck am not going because it's a 30% fee is removed on beverages. <laughs> you know, that's not a good enough reason for me. So I don't know who these people are that are going to all of a sudden start traveling because of saving 30% on a glass of wine or a, <laughs> a drink of any kind. And in myself, for instance, we definitely... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you're already going, right, if you're already going and, you know, your bill is 30% cheaper, then yes. sounds like a good idea. But it's only for one year. So what's the deal with that? They'll make it for longer. That's just to try the waters and see how it goes. But if it's successful, they'll just keep it going. I'm quite sure. <laughs> The next story was something that baffled both myself and Anne. And Anne, I have to say, I did see something about this in the BBC as well. There is some sort of investigation into this. But it was announced just very, very sort of suddenly that Aeroflot managed to acquire 10 
Boeing 777s from the Irish uh, lessor that was leasing it to them. And both Anne and myself are just flabbergasted how this could happen. How did they manage to get this done? Um, but there does seem to be a lot of questions raised about this now. Ash, did this story get to the States? Did you guys pick it up there? No. I just heard it through the news that you sent out. But for me, it was kind of like, oh, here's another example of Boeing really struggling because everybody's trying to get rid of a Boeing. <laughs> That's another T-shirt. Interesting. But Anne, you didn't see anything further on this one. Well, I started Googling and reading stories, and I'm just fascinated the more you dig up. And it looks like their fleet is very crippled, but they still manage to acquire parts and buy aircraft from various yeah. sources. And uh, one story I stumbled across was, like, like I said, actually around Christmas time, where there were actually four aircraft from South Africa flown on their way to Kazakhstan, I believe, who were diverted to Iran and then purchased the Iranian government. And um, from what I understand is that Iran is going to, well, Iran are helping the helping Russia with its fleet and its aircraft and maintenance. But the problem is that it's not big enough to sustain it. I mean, I know very, very little about mm. this, but I was just uh, found some really intriguing articles. And I did send a message to Patrick Edmund because, you know, he's typically my go-to person. And uh, he, he cannot explain this Irish lesser story either. I think it's one of those things, though, we have to kind of think about this uh, maybe in different ways, right, as well. And of course, we all understand about the sanctions and, and all of those reasons why that exists. But, you know, we cannot play around with aviation either, right? And it's like, we don't, do we really want Aeroflot to go out of business? Do we really want Aeroflot to have planes that are old and have issues occur because of it? I mean, is that what we want at the end of the day? And I don't think the answer of that is yes, by any means. Of course, we're still aware of all the reasons why this is important, but at the same time, I think that we also need to be able to look at it beyond just this one isolated time that we're in right now and think about five, 10 years from now. And of course, governments have a really creative ways of acquiring things. So while you might have sanctions, as you mentioned in a couple of the examples there, and there's always a way to do something if you really want to do it. So I think this is all just a result of all of that. And I think in the government's minds, what's 10 planes? But, but it's clear, it's very evident that the Russian uh, airlines are facing problems. I mean, they are facing problems with spare parts. They are. It's a, it's a very dire situation for them. And, and of course, it's very, it's very big. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a good point you're making, Ash. You know, do we really want to see them suffer and um, mm. business control? It is, it is a very tricky one. It's I, a tricky uh, one, yeah. Moving on, my final thought on my list was not actually on LinkedIn, but it was somewhere else. And I think, Anne, you pinged this one to me. This was actually found on simplyflying.com. was about the fact that Lufthansa is already starting to sell ETA Airways tickets you know the italian carrier that's up for sale and you know lufthansa is obviously a strong player in there but the fact that the lufthansa website is already selling those tickets uh, does suggest that maybe that is a done deal and um, it wasn't actually posted much on linkedin I, I only saw it outside of linkedin but it does seem like that deal is therefore a given right Anne? yeah it looks like it i haven't seen anything further to that story but it does look like it's a it's a done deal <laughs> I ask you guys what would be your predictions for 2023, things to look at or things that might happen or things to keep an eye on or something that uh, is worth looking at. So, Anne, can we start with you? What are your thoughts on what's going to be the hot topic in 2023 in the travel industry? Um, so, predictions for 2023, many. I would say that the most important one that I can think of is that I think it's 
about time that airlines start looking at how to differentiate themselves in the offers. And that means that they need to start looking at bundling different products. So again, we sort of come back to retailing and understanding understanding you know how much money is on the table for that and that's really the the way to communicate and and to become special in in the eyes of of the consumer that's the way i see it and of course for for that they need better technology is it your prediction that that sort of race is going to be on and that that's the focus yeah i think that race is going to be on we have some successful uh, airlines in this space as you know and uh, i think that the time has come where it's about how do we actually grow revenue another prediction is well we are seeing uh consolidations i mean we're seeing it in airlines we're seeing it in otas and and we're also seeing as i so the latest story here is the um travo going bankrupt it's going to get worse um and we're going to see uh the fight over who are the ones going to be left standing so that's my other prediction I think partnerships, the, the virtual interlining, we, I, I know we don't like that uh, expression, but la- for lack of a better <clears throat> partnership between airlines and seeing them going to API to API, peer to peer, instead of uh, traditional methods. You know, airlines are going to understand that I need to work with airlines who are not necessarily in my alliance, etc. And I also need to work with other partners such as rail and Uber, etc., etc. Mm. So I think this is just going to grow stronger. So I guess those are my three for 2023. All very positive. So thank you very much, Shane. Yes. Thank you from your side. So for me, it's going to be a change in how business travel is promoted to. And I think that in the past, promoting business travel has never been something that we saw happen actively. Of course, from a corporation side, you want to minimize business travel from a cost perspective. And then, of course, business travel has always been a function of travel management companies and associated companies to that industry. But I think there's going to be a shift. And the reason why there's going to be a shift is because I think business travel has flatlined. You know, we've all been talking about getting back into 2019, I think 2020 we stop having that conversation and we start to realize that we're going to stay at the 60% marker for now. And that's the new reality of business travel. And I think all through the numbers, whether you talk to TMCs and you look at, you know, their across the board numbers, data providers across the board numbers, it's hovering around 60% from a business travel perspective. So I think what we'll see is we'll see airlines and hotels and others start to promote and entice people to become new business travelers. I think the old business travelers have kind of retired from wanting to travel. Uh, and I think there's been a shift from that perspective. So now what we need to do is we need to encourage new business travelers. So I think we're going to see a lot of promotions, enticements, encouragements, training on the fact that business travel is good. And I think that people are going to react to that, especially the younger and the newer generation. I totally see that, Ash. I think you're absolutely spot on there. I, I fall in that category of older traveler. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Yeah. But I can see yeah. I can see what you mean. Absolutely. What are your other predictions? That's my one big prediction for the year. Spot on, Ash. Brilliant. My predictions are around, um, I think, number one, that Saudi Arabia is going to turn our travel world upside down. I think we're going to be completely blown away by the scale, size, effort, enthusiasm, you know, all the things they're going to do to shift travel away from the UAE and Qatar into Saudi. That's going to blow our minds and it's going to be incredible. The second prediction I have is that there's going to be quite a strong financial 
and uh, economic and growth and focus shift in the African market from the southern African markets uh, up to east uh, and mid Africa, where there's a lot of growth, a lot of positive investment and a lot of um, new agreements in place. And I, I keep talking about Tanzania and Kenya and all those places, but th- those things are going to grow and it's going to it's going to shift uh, the market there you know, substantially. And I think the third thing is we're going to find a balance at one point in 2023 around around uh, the focus uh, of you know sustainability in travel versus the need to travel for business. And it's kind of closely related to your point, Ash. There's going to be definitely a, a different type of business traveler that really needs to travel and that, that knows that they need to go out there. And they can't be held back because it's going to cause issues with uh, their sustainability you know, outlook, etc. I think there's going to be some sort of balance. And the reason why I say that is because there are definitely other markets where how do I put this plainly? If I don't travel to go and see that customer, that's competitive on that market world because you know they will just go out and do that. They're not going to be held back. There's definitely going to be that realization that um, there needs to be a, a better balance. Um, I'm not suggesting that you know we we ditch everything and go back to just traveling as we wanted to. There's definitely more purposeful travel, but I do think people will will start to balance things out a bit more. So those are my three things that I think we need to be keeping an eye on in 2023. And some of those things you've been talking about all through the year as well, mm-hmm. last year. So I totally see it. You're probably very close to those trends and things that are happening in that area of the world. I do want to uh, talk about uh, something called Southwest Airlines. Ah. Can I bring it up? Were they in the news recently? <laughs> Yes. So I know that you started this uh, whole post on LinkedIn saying that you're not going to talk about Southwest, but I will because Mm -hmm. I want to. And here's why I want to bring it up. So obviously we know about the meltdown and maybe some of us know a little bit about why it happened and what the reasons were. But let's put all that aside because I can talk about that topic as well. The important thing I took away from all of this is that, of course, Southwest being the airline that they are, looked at this in two different perspectives. One, they looked at the outbound impact, of course, to customers and to others uh, associated to that. But they also looked inwards towards their own staff. And I'll explain the dynamics of all of this in just a second here. So Southwest Airlines, this is going to cost Southwest the entire meltdown of almost $1 billion. So it's not a small price to pay. The airline has announced that they're going to give all the passengers who were impacted by the operational issues 25,000 rapid reward points. Okay, so that's great. That's great for the outbound people. But they also announced that their internal customers, meaning their employees, will also be compensated because they had to deal with all of this. And they're giving all of their 66,000 employees what they call swag points. And I'll explain some swag points, but they're giving everybody 25,000 swag points. And so these are points that they have within their internal company currency. You can redeem them at the employee store for gift cards, Southwest merchandise, other things like that. And the rough estimate of how much you can get out of the 25,000 points is $400 worth of gift cards. So all in all, they're spending $27 million towards their internal employees to say to them, hey, we're sorry for what happened to us and we're sorry that you all had to deal with. I thought that was really cool. That's an incredible way to deal with it. Absolutely. I do agree. I I wasn't aware of that at all. Um, yeah, see, nobody talks about that because nobody wants to hear that story. They all want to hear the misery and the and the problems of the travelers, which, of course, is really important. But, you know, very few companies actually have the stamina to not only deal with 900, uh, you know, almost a billion dollars worth of costs outwards, but they also said, hey, what's another 25 million in $1 billion? Not that much, but hey, if we can satisfy our employees and make them feel like we cared mm-hmm. about the fact that they dealt with all yes. of this, then it looks good, too, for internal morale. 
Ash, I do have a, I do have a complaint from the audience about you, uh, so I have to raise it because you know it's a serious one. They, um, well, he's saying his 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 microphone is not working either, so he can't join. Maybe this is a 2023 thing, right? My microphone is not working. He's saying, how can you have a prediction and it does not include anything to do with space news? Well, because I thought we were going to do something unique. Are uh-huh. you holding out on me? No. Wait, I did that specially just for us. There you go. So, All right. So that's our new segment on the show, I think, uh, whenever it applies. Space news. So really, really happy to see that our audience actually cares about this topic, even though Rian has no of desire to care about this topic. We're growing the, the demand slowly but surely. Okay. Space Here's yeah. the space news. And I specifically actually did not include this in my uh, predictions because I wanted to hold out for this wonderful segment that we have called Space News. Did you know that in 2022, SpaceX had 60 orbital launches. Did you know that? Six zero. Six no. And they fired off the last launch a couple of days before the end of the year. Of course, this is a mixture of their partnership with NASA and some of it with their Starlink satellites. So the last launch that happened was a Falcon 9 rocket that went up carrying 54 Starlink satellites. Uh, whenever Rian is traveling around the world, he actually gets access to the internet wherever he goes because he's got Starlink attached to his uh, vehicle over there. This is actually really, really important because Elon Musk had actually put out in the beginning of the year that he wants to see SpaceX achieve 60 launches in 2022, which was wonderful that they achieved that goal. So great job, SpaceX uh, staff and everybody involved there. So the prediction part is that uh, he's actually aiming for 100 launches in 2023. My prediction is going to be, here's my prediction, that he's going to go beyond 100. Can I ask you, when is your prediction for the first commercial business travel flight that involves in and out of space? Somebody using it for work travel to get to Australia faster, etc. Oh, within this decade. Okay, fine. Yeah, and then you missed out on the news, on the actual space news, that um, in the UK, they're going to do their first launch tonight. They're hoping to do that tonight out of Cornwall, out of the new UK uh, space agency site there, with uh, that rocket on the back of the Virgin Orbiter, you know, going up in the sky. So um, that's happening tonight. So there's some news for you on uh, space news as well. Well, that'll be, that'll be covered for next week's space news edition. There we go. I won't throw away that audio clip. No, no, you have to keep that clip. That's a regular <laughs> segment now. Okay, so that... I <laughs> brings us to a wrap so for those new faces in the audience we really hope that you enjoyed today's session because uh, we do this every week and uh, we hope to see you here again next week from my side thank you very much thank you very much everybody it was uh, and a happy new year to everyone All right, everyone. And if you enjoyed today's session, we host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event with everybody that you know so that you can tell them how amazing this was and you had a great time. And if you enjoyed it, they will as well. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, we make this session available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. You can subscribe to the podcast by searching Business Travel 360 on any of your podcast players. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.